G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast and YouTube channel. I'm back here with AFL fantasy updates after the 12th round of the season is done and dusted. We've technically moved through the first half of the fantasy season as well. So the first three months of the season has been a long, gradual process for us to get through, but we made it. One buy round is in the books. We still have two to go, so there are some testing times still ahead for coaches. Personally, I had a pretty good week in round 12. I benefited from some of the huge scores from players around the grounds, but they did see a lot of coaches post impressive point titles, so personally, I would have loved to move up a little bit more in rank, but I'm not going to get too greedy. I am well poised, hopefully, if things go my way, to make another jump or two over the next few weeks, so... Let me dive into what happened in round 12, touch on my team, of course talk about some trade tactics, the favourite five and frustrating five, and then right at the end, discuss how I'm thinking of uh, making trades this week with two buy rounds still to come. The large fries and coke managed to top 2,000 points in round 12, which is tough to do in the best of 18 rounds. Ironically, I had 2,004 points this week and only scored 2,060 the week before when we were still counting 22 players' scores. So, what can you do? Like I said, there were some huge performances though, which helped buoy a lot of coaches. Starting in my back line, one of which came from Jake Lloyd, who had a season best 149. Pretty important stuff to see uh, Jake Lloyd getting back to his best. He had a couple of questionable games in the middle uh, middle part of the first half of the season. If I haven't confused you yet, I'm sure I will in a minute. But yeah, Lloydy was back to his best. Looked really, really good against the Eagles. And if you don't have him, got to get him. Laird, disappointed slightly, but he was probably one of the very few players who hit the middle of the road definition in my team. Wasn't a lot to get excited about outside of that in my defense. Brody Smith and Isaac Cumming held each other to a combined 70 points with 38 and 32 respectively. So that definitely sucked. And to see Sydney Stack and Noah Answorth both score under 60 didn't really help me. So defense is going to be a questionable uh, building block moving forward. I do have Sicily to welcome back off the bye. Hopefully I can get Lockie Young back on the field. But I do have some work to... There is work to be done in the back of my uh, defensive team, that's for sure. There is some work to be done in my defense, that's for sure. The midfield low is starting to come together. Had some pretty mammoth scores. Andrew Gaff's 90, you take that. He saved his score with a good 20 or 30 points in the final six to seven minutes. So kudos, Gaffy. Thanks for getting that done. But it was the performances from everyone else around him that uh, took my breath away this week. Finally, we saw Angus Brayshaw look like a fantasy footballer. A lot of people would have traded him out. I was of the opinion after a few weeks that he was worth so little that you have to hold him. And... Luckily, I saw him score well against the Pies. He put up 129. I got 137 from Sam Walsh. Even Oscar Baker having a 70 was nice to see. So that bottom tier, I guess you could say, of my midfield helped keep things afloat. There were two huge scores, or three other huge scores in my midfield as well, coming from Patrick Cripps, big 150. Nice to see him return to form. Timmy Taranto, same can be said with his 139. And... Adam Trelaw on debut got it done as a skipper. I think 120 to 125 is what, realistically, we want to see from our captain. Anything less than 120 you feel a little bit hard done by, and anything over that you take as a bonus. So Trelaw was almost bang on that in debut, on debut. So great to see from the large fries and coke midfielders. The two Ruckman did their job this week. A 95 and an 89 from Grundy and Witz is pretty solid. I... 
Would have obviously loved more, but I'm not going to get too greedy. They were both close to 100 now. All season, I've been saying that I'm going to trade Jared Witts out when it comes time for his buy, but it's going to cost me about 120, 140 grand now to go from him to Gorn, thanks to Gorn's recent scoring binge. So if it was a 60 to 80, maybe even 90k move, I could probably justify it, but that money could be used elsewhere to make some big maneuvers for my team. So Witts is no certainty to go in round 14. Grundy going onto his buy deserves to put his feet up after. Pretty impressive first half of the season, but Jared Witts hasn't been too far behind those big dogs. In fact, I think from memory, he's only about 140 points behind Max Gorn at this stage, who I don't actually know if he's outscoring Grundy, but he might be close. So I don't think I'm going to justify, I don't think I can justify turning Witts into Gorn right now, but things might change. The forward line, similar to my defense, was a tale of two teams. I had Pretty amazing performances, I'll be honest. I don't think I've had three or my top three forwards combined for scores like this. I had TK post his huge 129. Dangerfield posted one of the best scores of his career with a 162 and capped it off with Jack Zebel and a 145. So awesome stuff from them, but that's where the good news very quickly stopped because the other two blokes didn't even combine for 50. Josh Corbett and Nick Larky's scores were the two, hopefully, wiped off my field. It could maybe go down to Larky or Cumming, but... In my head, I say I wiped Nick Larky's score off and pretended that that saga didn't even happen. I copped a bit of heat for trading out Grind Myers last week, but it was to try and get two scores out of Larky in round 12 and 13, while Myers was someone I was going to move on this week anyway. So, stings a little bit, cost me a couple of points, but hopefully Larky and Corbett can continue to score well this week. If, well, not continue to score well, because they didn't last round, but hopefully they can refine 50s or 60s and then go back to their rightful spot on the bench. So, I top 2,000, can't be too disappointed with a couple of dud scores around the grounds and have my work cut out with me for me to make things work in the next couple of weeks, but I'm in an okay position. I'm pretty confident. Radio favourite five time. First one doesn't go to the top scorer from the round. The plus five instead goes to Patrick Mother and Cripps, who rebounded strongly for those people that held him. He had four goals, should have been five, 38 touches, a ton of tackles, posted a 150, second one of the season. So it was great to see Cripps return back to the wrecking ball that he is. A lot of coaches traded him out this week, so spare a thought for the two, two and a half thousand people that did so, and it's a perfect example of why you have to hold your premiums. Plus four goes Patrick Dangerfield's way. He hardly put a foot wrong, and was a bit unlucky not to get the plus five, but you can't really lose when you're picking one of those dudes. Danger was fantastic on Friday night against Richmond. Will definitely deserve his week off after a pretty bone-bruising performance against the Tiggies. Hopefully we can see him put up more scores like this and overtake the likes of Boak, Tim Kelly, and uh, probably just those two for the best forward in fantasy, because that's what we thought he would be at the start of the season, and he's starting to look like it as well now that we're nearing the buys. Clearly the number one defender to have right now is Jake Lloyd. He gets the plus three for a 149, 129 the week before that, so he's back to his high score and best. It was against the Eagles as well, who aren't... They're a tricky team to pigeonhole down as to how hard they are to score against, but usually, the way you see it, is the better the team is, the harder they are to score against. And West Coast is a team that's definitely going to challenge for the flag, I think, so to see Lloydie do well against them is a good sign. Not too far behind Lloydie was Max gone with 148 this round. Huge scores. This is ridiculous. He got the plus two this week after locking horns with Brody Grundy. Beat him in the hit-out count, beat him disposals-wise, and beat him fantasy-wise, so... 
I don't actually know what the difference is between the two of them total points-wise, but clearly it's 1A and 1B, and at this stage, Max Gorn looks like 1A. He has the highest three-round average in the entire competition. No offence to Grundy, who had his own string of 140s and 150s recently, but those two are really the best two ruckmen in the fantasy competition. It's not even close. Rounding out the top five is one of my new personal favourite players now that he's back in the midfield and not sitting in a forward pocket scoring a 46 or 7. Can't remember off the top of my head. It goes to Jack Zeeble with Higgins suffering an AC injury and potentially out for five to six weeks. I think we'll see Zeeble continue to chew up heavy midfield minutes. If you don't have him in your side, it's not must-have to trade in this week. I would look to do so, but with his buy coming in round 14, I could see why you'd maybe want to look at spending up and getting someone like Dunkley, who we'll talk about soon, or another player up forward that better suits your buyers. But when it comes time to upgrade and get the top six forward period, I'd be surprised if Zeeble's not in that position. The frustrating five was a little bit difficult to fill out this weekend. I saw some pretty huge scores, so that lifted the bar of what we'd accept as a par score for a lot of players. So there are a few players in here who are probably a little bit hard done by, but considering what their peers did, my hand's been forced. The negative five goes to, firstly, Brody Smith, who was tagged, I will admit, but a 38 is not a great output from what a lot of coaches would have wanted. We expected him to score a couple of 80s for us in the buys and help, help keep our back lines afloat, but didn't do that. 38 he dished up. Now, I am one of the blokes who's considering trading him out. Probably not this week, maybe when it's his buy time to help not even not only even out my uh, defense, but it's a tricky position to be in with regards to Brody Smith. I can't blame you for moving him on, but I don't think it's a must-trade. He's only had one dud score in recent times, so don't go getting too itchy trigger finger. The neg four goes to another defender in Jack Crisp, who only managed 68 points against the Ds. He was someone that was kind of floating around in trade calculations for me, and probably a lot of other coaches, but... Heading into his buy, he's no certainty to come in for a lot of people in round 14. I think it's worth just taking it a little bit easy, maybe exploring other options, because Crisp isn't really lighting the world on fire. He has a big ceiling, he's shown that before, but does have a tendency to throw up too many 60s and 70s for my liking. Dane Zorko is next on the list, getting a negative 3 after dropping 80 on the weekend. These types of performances is why Dane Zorko is a clear risk to bring into your team. He obviously has highs and lows, and is the definition of a fantasy roller coaster. He averaged 129 points in three rounds recently, and then in his last three games, he's only gone 80, 80, and 99. So those two three-round bites is a perfect example of the roller coaster that Dane Zorko is, and why having him in your team is a risk. Probably no longer in trade in candidate territory. However, like I talked about with Crisp, you've got to hold your premium. So back him in to bounce back sooner rather than later. Similar can be said for Rory Sloan, who somewhat unfairly gets the negative two this week. Came in with a bit of a dodgy hamstring, was heavily tagged by DeBoer, still managed to get his way to 80, but when there were so many points on offer, it was a little bit disappointing to see him fail to fire in a certain extent. Not going to spend too much time on it, though, because, like I said, a big scoring round means that some of these guys were a bit unfairly listed in the frustrating five, so Sloan will be better next round, I promise. The negative one goes to multiple people, and I'm giving it to the bench rookies. You know who you are, the likes of Josh Corbett, Nick Larkey, Isaac Cumming, Noah Answorth, Jack Petricelli. I'm probably forgetting a few more, but those guys are meant to come onto our field and just, just get us to 40, just to 50 even during the buys. We just need a little bit of production, but 
they all seem to fail uh, in the round we needed them the most. So hopefully a couple of the young Bulldogs and Hawks and Dockers that are coming back off their bye won't do the same thing to us because if they do, then I don't know how coaches will survive round 14. When it comes time to talk trade tactics, bringing in players off the round 12 bye is definitely the way to go. By no means does that mean you can't bring in a round 14 player, but my advice would be to try and stack your team with as many round 12ers as possible and increase the chance of getting two scores for the price of one. Now, one dude who I'll look to bring in this week and was probably going to be one of the most traded in upgrade targets is Zach Merritt. I am paying top dollar for him, which is a little bit less than ideal, but his form is undeniable and I think he's in top eight midfield territory, so getting him while I can is a good reason, is a good idea. Someone else who's about a hundred grand cheaper that I do have my eye on and I am backing to return to Uber premium form is Jack McRae. A lot of people uh, traded him out in round 12 after his uh, dismal, I think he had a 70 leading up to that, maybe a 90 as well, but wouldn't surprise me if he went bang against Carlton and then all of a sudden was on a lot of coaches' radars. So maybe if you got the balls, you can take a punt on him. I don't think I'll do it even though the potential savings from merit to him could be very helpful. In other lines, I think defensively, James Sicily is the only candidate that I trust at the moment. There are a few blokes that you could maybe talk yourself into, like Caleb Daniel or Connor Blakely, but I think it's wise to give them a bit of a wait and see, especially Blakely, who's been scoring a right, but need one more week to convince me that he's uh, going to be well. Watch him in the midfield, hopefully, see him get to 100, and then bang, bring him in next week. But Sick Dog is someone that I think is worth paying top dollar for in defence and can help you through the next two weeks up forward. Similar can be said with Josh Dunkley, who will cost you over 700 grand, but he's worth every penny. When he's playing full on-ball rotation like he has done in the last month or so, he's good for a probably 110-115 average from here on out. So they're the two targets I like on the other lines of the field. And a rookie front, plenty of blokes to be talked about. Round 12ers that pique my interest firstly is Brett Bewley for the Dockers. I don't think there'll be a world where he doesn't hold his spot. Maybe, though. Stranger things have happened. Similar can be said for Dylan Clark, who Woosher has said is no certainty to come back or to hold his spot in their side with the likes of Dill Shield and Jake Stringer expected to return for Essendon. Hopefully, he can stay in the side. Clark did a monstrous job tagging Paddy Cripps recently, so he'd be a bit hard done by if he is dropped, but... This is why you don't trade in blokes on their buy because there's no certainty to play in round 13. Hopefully he does. Comes at a pretty co- pretty hefty cost at 291k, but you could definitely justify making room and trying to field him uh, if he is named, of course. There's not a lot to love in defense or forward, but the Bulldogs' dual threat in Josh Gardner might be worth considering if he holds his spot. Only had a 40 against West Coast before his week off, and personally, I think he was fielded against the Eagles so that they could get a bit more rest into some injured guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, maybe even Lockie Young, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of others, made way for some of those returning blokes like Taylor Jaray, Hayden Crozier. Hope I'm wrong, because if Gardner's named, he's someone that I might look to downgrade to and make a bit of coin. But yeah, don't be too surprised if they're left off the team sheets. Finally, I wouldn't be doing my job as a rookie guru if I didn't talk about Patrick Nash. Now, I could have chose him over Isaac Cumming last week, but didn't and kind of suffered a couple of points-wise. Would have, ironically, probably outscored my round 11 score with my buy score had I picked Nash over Cumming. But 
Whatever, such is life. Nash will probably hold his spot after an impressive Friday night outing, but no certainty as well. Similar position to Clark, with Brendan Ellis likely, or more than likely, to come in in round 13. So if he holds, I'd definitely look at bringing him in. But again, it is a bit risky bringing in round 14 by blokes when they're going to get the week off next round. All right, I'm rambling. This is taking way too long. So let me go through the trade-outs very quickly. While it is going to be hard to resist pulling the trigger on blokes like Isaac Heaney, Zorko, Angus Brayshaw, who I know some of them in recent times have kind of restored faith of coaches, I don't think it's worth trading out your premium type of players. This, the buy rounds, is a perfect time for you to go two rookies out, potentially bring another one in somewhere and upload to getting a premium player in another line. So for that reason, I don't think it's wise to trade out these guys, even if they are struggling premiums a bit. Angus Brayshaw is a perfect example of why you have to hold some of these blokes. Granted, it took a couple of 70s and 60s and a 90 to finally get him to piece it back together, but it's better having to struggle with someone like that who's still good for 70 and 80 rather than getting a rookie who gets dropped or not named next week or, worst-case scenario, gets injured and never comes back into your side. So I think it's wise to hold on to your premiums. But there are plenty of cash cows that have topped out in price. So you can go ahead and pull the trigger trading out someone like Tom Atkins, who's more than paid his dues in the side. Similar can be said with Jack Petricelli. His high-scoring days are all but done, and if you're still stuck with him, you've got to move on from him as well. If you still find yourself holding on to non-playing guys like Jay Lockout, who actually had a decent game in the resis level, I think, and Charlie Constable, I think both of them can be moved on and cashed in. It's a wise idea to do so. If you're in a bit more of a luxurious position, you might even be moving on guys like Brian Myers and Marty Hoare, who, let's be honest, are good rookies, but are pretty much at the top of price they're going to make. So Marty Hoare especially is someone I would look to move on. Brian Myers, even though he did score an 80-odd, still didn't hit his break-even last weekend. So get rid of those two dudes if you can and try and get an upgrade to a premium dude in defense or forward line respectively. Waiver wire moves. Now, two blokes I think you need to stop listening to this or watching this and add right away to your team. Might be gone if you're watching this on Wednesday. Apologies. But Braden Sire and Will Brody are two dudes who... I added Brody luckily last round, but two dudes who will be the hottest targets this week, I assume. Big midfield depth is... Having midfield depth is something that really helps a lot of draft leagues, especially in deeper competitions. So with Beams out, Sire will likely hold his spot hopefully, for the rest of the regular and the fantasy season. Bill Brody hardly put a foot wrong last week and has definitely cemented his spot for at least the next few games. So those two are going to be coveted targets, that's for sure. You could maybe look at a couple of dual position guys in Bailey Fritch and Sam Lloyd. Lloyd's coming off his bye while Fritch obviously isn't playing this week due to Melbourne's week off. So if you are playing during the buyers, you probably want to steer a bit away from those two dudes. But Fritch and Sam Lloyd are two dudes in your defence and forward line that I like well, and they obviously have midfield link, which makes life a bit easier. If you want a straight defence or forward point blank, no versatility, Kyle Hooker is someone you could look at. He's in 40% of teams, so chances are he's not available for you to snap up in defence, but could be there in some shallow leagues. And if you really want to go to the other end of the spectrum, Mason Wood at just 6% could be worth getting into your side. Had a pretty solid game last week and starting to kick a couple of goals. So he's someone that I'm looking at for one of my leagues and probably worth bringing into your team and adding a bit of depth in your forward line. And the last draft thing you need to keep an eye on is Nick Natanui's status. Now, there's no certainty he's going to play in round 14 or round 15 slash 16 for that matter, but 
West Coast is saying that he's going to make his return sooner rather than later. He's gone through all the necessary steps in his rehab, and if you've got a spare spot on your bench or you're stuck with a bench ruckman that you're really not happy with, try and see if you can weasel Natanui onto your side, because when he comes back, he could go bang and give you a real big boost that could help you win in a draft premiership. Time to dive into my moves before I end this video slash podcast. One move that is guaranteed to happen this week is Lockie Whitfield out to Zach Merritt. Now, I could get a little bit fancy and bring in McRae, who I've already said I think will score well, but given his price, I might even turn Walsh into him next week. So Merritt's going to come in for me and will probably continue the Rolls-Royce trend and be a skipper on debut. Uh, the other two trades are a little bit up in the air at this stage. I'm looking at trading out someone like Willem Drew, if he's not named. Maybe Noah Answorth, but I think considering he's got good job security, it'd be a bit unwise for me to do that. I might... Honestly, just chop out Isaac Cumming, who could be dropped, even though he did do a bit of a tagging job and did it well on Brody Smith. I think I could get rid of him and try and get Nash in, defence maybe. Uh, so Drew, who else am I thinking of? There's a couple of, oh, maybe the Bulldogs blokes, if they're not named. Lockie Young, I might hold on to if he's named, but I don't have a lot of faith in him keeping his spot. Depending on how that team selection pans out and which rookies are named, that'll uh, dictate who I trade in. I could look at Dylan Clark, might look at getting Nash if he holds his spot against Ellis, probably will, let's be honest, and maybe even chopping a few DPP things around, getting Ryan Gardner from the Bulldogs if he gets named. So the rookies will dictate my second two trades, hopefully do two downgrades that'll get blokes coming off their buy to play for me for the next two weeks and give me a lot of money to try and make some final upgrades in round 14. And that is the round 12 wrap up. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Apologies for not getting the Monday sit down done with JLo. We recorded it yesterday, but the audio was all sorts of messed up. I don't know really what wrong, what went wrong there. Tried to re-record it, experienced similar issues, so I spent some time resolving those issues so that I could get this episode done on Tuesday. So thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you check out my Dream Team Talk Cash Cows Guide. There's plenty of rookies starting to emerge as viable trade-in candidates. Hopefully they're all named and we have plenty of trade, car, trade candidates to choose from, but... I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not as hopeful. Good luck in round 13 and 14 for the rest of the buys. Again, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, peace.